Welcome all our little sad sack soldiers out there to Sad Sack Studios presents The Exercast. The Outcast. The Outcast. The Outcast. Now hold on here because we're about to revolutionize this genre of after show shows. We are a pre-show. We want you to come here, listen to us spoil and break down everything about this the most recent episode of Outcast, and then go and watch it and just see if we're right. I and Father Daniel. And with me is my cousin, Father Nathan. Hello. Is there a creepy little shadow that I see back there in the hallway? Who is that? Uh, yes, I brought the altar boy with me, uh, previously known or otherwise known as the intern on our other podcast. Altar boy, say hi. Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, there's going to be a lot of that, I think. <laughs> a lot of touching, uh, oh yeah. Yeah, so gentlemen, we have we have done this in the past. We've done one after show show in the past uh, called True Detective. We did it for season two, and we loved the experience so much that we chose this this specific show to do another another run. Now, why did we choose Outcast, gentlemen? What is it about Outcast? What is Outcast? Well, okay, there's yeah, there's a little bit of a crossover. I mean, this is a lot of all of our podcasts can sort of uh, what would you say intertwine into the atmosphere of the show Outcast. Essentially, boy, would you call it an exorcism show? A show about exorcism or a show about a oh. small town being overrun by demons? To quote the show, possession is only the beginning. Daniel, this goes deeper. Right. Molestation is always the ending. <laughs> Basically, Outcast is a graphic novel created by Robert Kirkman. People who are fans of The Walking Dead will know he is the creator of The Walking Dead. And it is about, yeah, a guy with a pained past who is dealing with some crazy possession, demonic possession type stuff in this town. And we don't really know where the story goes from there. That's kind of what we know so far. That's where we're brought in. Yeah. And there's a little bit of drama here. There's a little bit of horror. There's a little bit of everything. There's a little bit of slow zoom for Father Nathan. A little <laughs> bit of... The, the the horror aspect of this was chosen because it is well one of our main flagship podcasts is, is the 100 Lunatics podcast where we watch and we talk about horror movies and it felt right that the second after show cast we do to be something that has a theme that connects with with one of our major components so I think that's one of the main reasons why is because this is a horror based TV show and it also looks like a you know, a high production vo um, value to this show as well, being that it's Cinemax uh, produced. And it airs on Friday nights instead of Sunday. Yes, and it has currently been available a week prior to its release on HBO. Well, HBO is distributing it, distributing it in Canada. So that's... So we got a little taste. We got a little taste of that Canadian deal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand the connection between Cinemax and HBO. Maybe someone can illuminate that for us. 
I thought we thought they were competitors, but apparently they're they're in cahoots. It's like a a Best Buy Future Shop type deal. Oh, it's kind of like HBO was temporarily possessed by Cinemac. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's good. That's gold. To quote you, Father Daniel, that's why we should charge money. Oh. <laughs> um, it's that kind of gold that you come here for, and and that's how we do. So the basic of uh, premise of this podcast is to go through the episode and kind of do a, a brief walkthrough of it and give our our feedback on the show, banter, and um, and throw down some predictions at the end of where this thing's going and what it's going to do. Obviously, this one's a little bit different because people who have read the graphic novel will, will be able to listen to us and say, wow, they are way off, or holy crap, Father Nathan is on the money, right? Yeah, well, just even now, just taking a quick look between the Walking Dead story and this story, it appears that Kirkman's got a fascination with the properties of human blood because they are an integral part to both stories. Uh, like the gore aspect of splattering blood? Well, no, we have in this one, you know, we will discover about, I don't know, halfway through the episode that the main character has something with his blood and or bodily fluids that interacts with the demons in a particular way. And in The Walking Dead, everyone's blood is literally poison that turns them into zombies. Or bodily fluids, even, for that matter. Okay, I like your connection. I like your connection. I see what you're saying there. Yeah, that is a, a definite thing that's happening here. Kyle Barnes does have something special inside of him. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I was joking earlier <laughs> that uh, that if he comes across a possessed female, he may just want to start DHing because the, <laughs> the, the fluids are... You know, somehow hitting the demon and helping to resolve it. You know, the priest is in the back, in the background, saying, "Well, the Father and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit, blah 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 blah," trying to like exercise the demon, and Barnes is just like, you know, splooging or spitting or feeding it some fluid. It is, it is true. Like he's because his all of his bodily fluids are essentially holy water. At least that's the way that all the demons or possessed people react to it when they come into contact with him. You're the outcast. So he could make a very strong argument that every female possession victim he comes across, he just has to fuck them back to God. Sure. I hope so. Because if he plants that deep, deep spunky seed in there, it'll like, you know, solve the problem from within even better than holy. Right. And we don't have to we don't have to fuck them back to God. You want to fuck the possession out of them. Right. Uh, right? That's, that's what I mean. Yeah. I don't think we should automatically be con be connecting this to a religious aspect quite yet. I know there's a lot of religion here surrounding it, but I have a feeling that they're going to take this in a different direction. They're saying possession is just the beginning. And Kirkman, I just read an article where he said he wanted to take possession and demonic possession in a in a direction that it had never been taken before, and that says to me that it's going to move away from the religious aspect, right, and become more of like a yeah. If hey, if this thing goes crazy and it's like all interdimensional beings and they're trying to come over and take over our world from like the inside out, I am all down for that kind of weird shit. Yeah, let's see here. He says I wanted to put a fresh coat of paint on the exorcism and possession genre. It treats demonic possession as a solvable solvable problem. 
Okay, well that kind of sounds like we're going to stay within the realm of demons. But maybe demons won't be attached to religious things? I don't know. Either way, we're stuck back in that weird conundrum where a lot of us are not really religious or are more secular these days, yet what still encapsulates the best kind of horror, the most effective horror, is still religious horror. So it's weird. We like don't kind of want it in our day-to-day -day lives. But the second you bring it into a horror movie, it almost automatically gives it some sort of legitimacy. Fair enough. I also think that we should keep a close eye on Constantine here because he's saying he's putting a fresh coat of paint on it. And I think that Constantine might be already the basis of, of this genre that he's walking into or the fresh coat of paint has already been has already been painted and uh, Constantine may be the inspiration. Mm -hmm. Now, Alter Boy, did you even watch this show tonight? I did, yeah. Um, I no, that, did that's it. enough, thank you. Okay, okay. Father Nathan. Uh, Father Daniel, did you just try to pretend that we are recording this yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> it actually just kind of came out naturally. I think I just always like referring to now as tonight. I see. Um, so, Alter Boy, any, any impressions from the, from the show? Uh, the opening scene was wonderful. Are you referring to the cockroach incident? Yes. Can yes. you explain to us the cockroach incident? Well, kind of opens up and, and this kid's staring at a bug and you don't really know what he's staring at and then all of a sudden he smashes his head into the wall, which the cockroach is attached to, and then starts eating it. No, 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 no. Father Daniel, he doesn't eat it. What does he do? Well, he, he does eventually eat it, but he also just sort of smears it all over his face. Uh, yeah, he kind of seductively French kisses the wall. Like he's, yeah. he's passionately embracing the cockroach guts and almost looks like he's he's opening his mouth for a tongue kiss the way he puts that cockroach in his mouth. Am I right? I, I think this might be the only thing where I enjoy kids throughout the whole series. I think this is the part, <laughs> honestly, where Father Daniel was probably be, probably like, yeah. I I did have a moment where I was like, okay, okay, I'll continue. Yes. Put that in your mouth. I, yes. I also thought when the kid turned around, like his whole head and face were just like covered in blood. And I was like, yeah. where did that come from? Did he hit his head that hard that he was just gushing blood onto his face? Or was that cockroach full of like weird devil blood? Or Yeah, I, I think the cockroach was full of weird devil blood. Yeah. Sure. Classic. Yeah, I like I like the the kid. The kid's performance. He's got the scratchy, the scratchiness going on. He's kind of he's, he's he's doing a good job looking fucked up because he looks fucking pretty fucked up. Yeah, and this kid, yeah. and, it, and that's good because the kid. It's not it's not fantastic. I mean, I'll be honest. His little his possession scenes aren't the best, but they're also they could have gone way worse because that's very, you know, if you don't get those scenes right, then then this show is like a total wash. Because if you're just laughing the whole time everyone's possessed, then why bother? But it's not so, bad. He, 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 he pulls it off. When you're heavily critical about possession scenes, Daniel, because you are such a horror fan and such a uh, critic of the genre, um, do you have specific benchmarks or is it just The Exorcist? Is that the only one that's done possession well? Or like when you say possession scene was good but not great could have been worse what are you thinking about in your mind that says you know this is the benchmark all right i'm thinking of all the exorcism slash possession movies 
that I've seen over my lifetime. But The Exorcist itself is a big benchmark. But there's also lots of other movies to tell you how not to do it. And then other weird little parameters like The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Not a terrible movie, but it's an, it, she manages to pull it off. And her and her possession scenes are extreme. Like she's taken it to the max. So it's like, okay, that's an example of how that's done relatively okay. But what I like about The Exorcist is that there's lots of scenes where the devil's intelligence and patience comes through. Or whatever demon is inside of there. Because they're clever and playful and tricky. That's what gives the demon some depth is having different emotions like that. There's scenes where she sits back in her bed with her hands on her lap and tries to talk to the priest about his dead mother and, you know, make him get all flustered. But in every other movie, for the most part, the demon or the devil is just this ultra-aggressive, hissing thing that wants to murder anything it can touch. And it's so maxed out that it doesn't give you much room to play with it. So, Okay, I like that feedback. Well, I think we'll come back around to that when we get into the further possession scenes in this episode. But is that the only benchmark then? Like, cause I'm just seeking, like, I know there's a lot of things that, that show how it shouldn't be done, but is the exorcist the only one that's really impressed you? Uh, I'm sure there are others. I can't bring them up right now. The one I, cause it's, they, everyone has sort of a different take. You can even look at the evil dead there. Everyone gets possessed by like demon witches and it's like super goofy, but also crazy, and it all seems to work, even though it's very abrasive. Uh, it's, it's, there's so many examples, it's tough to know. I just know that this one, it's good. You, you, you can get through it. Yeah, there's definitely different approaches. I would also suggest, and the intern, or sorry, the altar boy is probably in on this one with me, but the witch, I think, did a different approach to possession, and yeah, I kind of like. Sort of the calm, pioneering approach. No, more of a, have you seen it yet, Daniel? Yeah. You've seen the witch? Yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking more like the sickness, you know, like like the the boy that got cursed, mm-hmm. slash possessed. It's more of a sickness that's just overwhelming him, and and that's that's all there is, right? Like it's not this demonic presence. It's more of a curse slash possession right. approach. And I thought it was done well. But anyway, moving on. So a little boy comes downstairs, and he's scratching his leg, and yeah, he's awfully itchy. Yeah, he, yeah, he's awfully itchy, and uh, and mom is fighting with the sister in the background, and uh, the kid's just hungry, right? Like he needs something more to eat, something something crunchy. He wants yeah, something, something crunchy. Yeah, what is it? What is it? Alter boy? What does he eat? What does he choose to eat? He well, he eats some chips. Yeah. Before right? moving on to more delectable things like his finger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's. The mother sees him eating the finger, and boom. I'd, I'd like to point out, too, that the mother and the and the daughter, or the boy's sister, are having the most classic of parent-teenager arguments. Because she's like, I hate you! And she, like, storms off with her closed fists, and that's what draws the mom's attention to the boy just munching on that finger bone. Yeah. Finger bone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Agreed. I liked that scene. I liked how they were totally oblivious. It seemed it seemed genuine to me. Yeah, it would. You wouldn't automatically think that you'd have to peek over at your son to make sure he's not eating himself. No, like I don't look at anyone when I go and visit them. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> and then we uh we we cut away to the to the laid back and relaxed sheriff or I guess he's just chief, Chief Giles. 
And uh, Reverend Anderson. Cool Reverend Anderson. Playing cards, smoking cigarettes, drinking beer. Yeah. And uh, there's a problem. There's a problem with the Austin boy. But he's probably fine. I mean, cards are more important, right? Oh, it is nice. I, I always enjoy a priest that drinks and smokes. Yeah. Put a little dirt on him. Makes him look more real. It's like Father Karras in The Exorcist. He's way cooler than the uptight guy that's like super old school and pure of priesthood. There's no... Pure of faith, pure of heart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, per, yeah, pure of faith, yeah. And Do we know uh, what time this takes place in? Hmm. Is it, this present or is this It's like past? Er, I think it's like early 2000s because everyone's got like flip phones. Right. Oh, good call. Yeah, the flip phone. That is yeah. smart. That does date it. Yes. But I want to say the, the priest, the priest in this show, <clears throat> he is like, he's what you call a great B actor. Mm-hmm. Like his presence doesn't say like, oh, I've got fucking range and I can give you whatever you need. He's got like, I've chosen a character and a voice for that character. And it's not top notch, but it's very consistent. So it will easily draw you in. But he's like a great B actor. He's a little bit weird for me in this show because the main actor is like a, an A actor. <laughs> so watching them interact is funny because I kind of want the show to be a little bit more on the B level. But it's going for A, so that's fine. But I do like this priest a lot. He has like a really peculiar way of talking. Yeah, I I think he's um he's he's a bit of a static character. I don't really see there being much of a, a journey for his character. He's he's just that guy. He's he's the uh, the priest that's got a little bit of dirt on him, but he's also a little bit laid back. I think later on we see him. He's you know they they vandalize the church and he says just leave it there. It's fine. We'll turn the other cheek. It's like. But it says Satan lives. Yeah, I know nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe inside the priest is like, oh, fucking awesome. Oh no, leave it now. They're just gonna do it again. Just leave it. Well, he is doing possessions, so he probably believes that Satan lives. Gets in his so gets in his he's car. Just and... like it's the truth. We'll we'll let the truth lie on on the front of the church. Yeah, and he's smart about it. I mean, he knows that if they just try to stop it or put a fence up or clean it off, that they're just gonna make it the situation worse. So I appreciate I his that... insight there. Yeah, that's true. I also think that there's maybe a bit of a failure here on on that character's part, just because I think from a from a graphic novel perspective, you would be anticipating that this image on the church is supposed to signify that this town is is fucked. You know, mm-hmm. that possession has overwhelmed it. It, it kind of paints a picture. A white church with a red devil on it is symptomatic of of what the town is going through. And I think it also means that, like, when I'm trying to picture a, a drawn image of this priest saying, just leave it, I don't think it should be about the kids are just going to do it again. I think it should be about also he's he's tired, maybe. He's um, feeling overwhelmed by what's happening to the town and maybe a little bit begrudged. So, and I don't get that from his performance. I don't get that he's up against it or that he's begrudgingly facing some sort of ominous thing. I think he's just taking it as it comes and nothing's really impacting him to the depth that it should emotionally. Well, I kind of, <clears throat> I kind of feel like, uh, the main character with Kyle Barnes, that's name. I feel like he's our, our introduction to the show as the audience, because he's sort of just waking up to the realization that there's weird shit going on in the town. 
the priest, when they bring us into him, it seems like he's already been in this battle for a little while. Because he's jaded, he smokes and drinks or whatever, but he totally knows that this possession shit is real. And he's already been through, like, two or three other boys dealing with this situation. I feel like he's already in the battle, and we're being drawn into it for the first time with Kyle Barnes. Yes, but he's not... The Reverend's not taking it home with him, you know? It's like he's going to work, punching his clock. There's this battle going on, but he's not taking it home with him. That's the feeling I get. Do you guys think that this is actually going to stay in this town? Because when he had the conversation, when the priest had the conversation with Kyle, he said that there's one of these in every town. It's going to be like a road show, and the priest is going to be like Kyle Barnes' sidekick. Yeah, that's what I was thinking based off that conversation is that they'd be going from town to town trying to get rid of all these demons or oh, however it's going to go. Alter Boy, when you're, when you're talking about um, America, you're talking towns and counties, and it all kind of just you know fades together. And it, town to town, is it still the same region? Probably. It's probably not that big of a thing. They're going to go on a journey. I agree with that. I kind of agree with Daniel that he is the audience being brought to it, but I also think that Kyle Barnes is realizing in this episode that this thing that he has blamed himself for, whatever happened with his mother attacking him and all of that jazz that led and followed him to his own family and his whatever horrible thing he did to his daughter um, is not his fault. And there is, a, there is an, an enemy that is focusing on him. Right, yeah, because we should mention that yeah, Kyle Barnes, when we're introduced to him, he's this like super sad sack, just laid out in his house. Uh, his sister is like annoyingly rapping at the door to be let in. And through their interactions throughout the day, we learn that uh, Kyle Barnes' mother, when they were children, everyone kind of assumes that she had schizophrenia or some sort of horrible uh, mental disease, but... The images and flashbacks they show are like brutal. You know, this woman obviously looks possessed and she abuses her children. And we sort of learn that Kyle Barnes has like, what, did he hit his He hit his mother, right? Like he beat his mother up and that's how they got like taken away from their mother and the mother got institutionalized. No, it was a tear. I, I saw that, yeah, she reacted in one of the flashbacks to his tear. But I, I was thinking how they eventually got separated. Like the government came in and like their CPS or whatever. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think they showed us that part, did they? I mean, they showed her in the hospital, a hospital that he went to go visit her now. Like you find out that right. his mom's not dead. His daughter's not dead. His wife is. Yeah, we have to make fine. an yeah, we have to and, make an assumption that's uh, an assumption that somehow they got separated from their mother. I think it's because Kyle as a kid, like beat his mom up or something. And it stopped the possession for a, a like a small moment because he kind of mentions that he. There's a there's a hilarious element of this show involved in beating the demon out of someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think he did that to his own mother. And then to double on top of that, the poor tragedy in this guy's life, you we also get an insight that he he flashes back to when he had a wife and a daughter, and we learn that his wife was obviously going through some bizarre possession herself and attacked the daughter, and he has taken the blame on himself like he has I guess when they told the authorities or whatever he made it seem like it was him that did it so now he's this huge outcast in this town as the guy that beat up his wife and daughter yeah nice nice play on the outcast word as well yes I agree with all of that I think that's exactly what happened 
Uh, he took the blame for something that his possessed wife did. And did he beat the demon out of his wife as well? Well, he must have. Maybe. That's the ongoing trend here. Yeah. He is. Yeah, he's got fists of flurry. He can't wait to start hitting people in the face. Or when or he punches baby. little kids, it's great. Maybe his daughter got possessed. Or maybe he just had sex with his wife and cleansed her that way. Right. Yeah. Right. Loaded a holy, a holy spunk bomb. Yeah, because despite whether he punched his mother or beat his mother, um, it was his tear is the catalyst that brought the demon out. Right. That's our first, <clears throat> our first witness to the notion that he something about his bodily fluids like physically burns these possessed people when they come into contact with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're, all, we're rolling right along here. And yeah, Megan, the Good Samaritan teacher, wants to drag him and help him for dinner. That's his That's his sister, right? Yeah, yeah it's his sister, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah, she's the only one that's willing to like help him or talk to him or treat him like a human being. But her husband, Roy, from The Office... Yeah, Pam's original husband. Pam's original husband... Uh, who is a police officer, uh, thinks that he's no should be nowhere near their daughter and is awful that he's at the house. And they refer to the horrible, unforgivable thing, which is what we presume to be the beating that the daughter took at the hands of his wife, who he likes to call and not say anything to on the 2000-era flip phone. Mm-hmm. Yes, they've obviously been separated. Him and his wife have been separated, and there is a weird distance between them. Maybe she doesn't remember some things. Maybe she took some brain damage from the possession, and he had to, like, that's how hard it was. the demon was clinging to her, is that he had to physically beat her into brain damage. But I wish the only clip that I really wanted to pull from this entire episode is that scene where uh, Kyle is standing in the living room of his sister's house, nervous as hell. And his sister's husband comes home fully geared up in his cop uniform. And they just look at each other. And Kyle's like, I, I don't want to be here any more than you want me here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And then the daughter. Oh, that daughter. Just like, Jesus. Just laying it down for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't have a daughter anymore? <laughs> because of what you did to her? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, kids don't know any better. It's fine. No, little girls know better. Fault. You saw the look the look on that girl's face. She when she walked back into the kitchen, she was like fucking proud of herself. She's like, Oh, Uncle Kyle ran away because I destroyed his psyche. <laughs> uh you, maybe she's possessed and she's gonna get an ass whooping from uh from Kyle later. You hurt your little girl and you're not her daddy anymore? Ooh. Ooh. Mm. You know, everyone in this town despises you. Coming, Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but just quickly back, because as this is all happening and, you know, the the sister's trying to help him buy him groceries and all this jazz and try to get him out of the house or whatever, um, Reverend Anderson is getting his ass kicked by young Josh. Oh. He's, he's pulling out the cross and he's getting his ass handed to him, which, yeah. is, which is the catalyst for him involving Kyle. Yeah, and that's like, you know, that's just one rung down because, like, watching an adult beat up a child, hilarious. One rung down from that, watching a child beat the shit out of an adult because <laughs> he's just kicking this priest. When he kicks the priest into the wall and he just, like, flails and takes all the shelves down. <laughs> Gonna get you guys uh. to pause for one moment. Uh, 
Megan brought me over against my will. Honest. Look, Mark, I'm the only person who wants me here less than you do. Believe me, but you know how she is. <laughs> yeah. It's like I know how she is. <clears throat> he does that. That yeah, yeah, that guy does not give a shit about Kyle. When they go outside to try and like yell his name and see if he's close enough to be called back after he runs away, he's just like, well, "Look, a gift horse in the mouth." <sighs> he's straight out with it. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't even say, "Well, let's go back in and have some dinner." He's like, "Well." Oh, this night just took a turn thank, for the better. <laughs> thank God he's gone. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Also, Kyle during this time is like, after he attempts to call his wife and just sits silently on the phone, he hangs up, breaks the phone, goes down to his like neighbor's house and borrows his neighbor's car. And then where does he drive off to? Does he go off to meet the priest? Yeah, he goes to the kid's house. Yeah, he goes and possessed. meets... That's right. Yeah, the the priest is already up there. And then he walks in uh, to talk with the priest and help out with the possessed boy. And I love his treatment of the boy, too. It's so, like, condescending. He's treating the boy as if he's just pretending to be possessed to get out of going to school. He's like, come on now. Yeah. Why don't you stop all this nonsense and uh, go to school with your friends? <laughs> you you kind of get the feeling like he came back here to get answers. That the reason why he took the blame with the wife hitting his daughter is so that he could come back here and figure it out whatever it was if it was he's ready to accept if it's something inside of him that's following him around because of the connection between his mom and his wife both having it but he needs to find the answer and he doesn't know quite what that is yet so i think the getting into the car is him finding out that there's something going on with this joshua kid i don't remember where he finds that out i think he does at some point but it's the catalyst for him borrowing the car and going and talking to the reverend and oh he he find, he's at the grocery store when he's there with his sister those two old ladies pull him aside and they're like oh did you hear about the boy being possessed can you pray for him right yeah yeah exactly so he's he's searching for something specific and the reverend even calls him on it with the you know why you're here come on let's go yeah don't pretend I just <laughs> come on now come on now Jacob or whatever his name is come on now don't you want to be with your friends Kyle or Joshua? Oh, Joshua. J Joshua, yeah. Don't you want to be with your friends? How long has it been since you've been to school, Joshua? And then that kid just lunges for his throat. Yeah, he does. And then the beating that the uh, the altar boy uh, uh, feels nostalgia for. Is that right, altar boy? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. As soon as you saw that kid getting punched, you just Im immediately regressed to a, <laughs> to a beautiful memory. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's just like old times. Did daddy have a little lick? Ooh. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not a good raping without a couple of punches. Oh, did daddy have a little lick? Yeah, no, but the, yeah, we're being very serious here. The, <laughs> yeah, course of yeah. the course of action that Kyle chooses to take with this boy after he flings the both of them across the room a few times is to get on top of him and just start punching him in the face as hard as he can. Mm-hmm. The boy even floats up into the air with Kyle on top of him, and the way that he decides that he <laughs> needs the demon to get them both back down again is to punch the boy really hard in the face so that they both drop to the floor. <laughs> well, to be fair, that's the second visit. The first visit <sighs> is Kyle kind of getting shocked. and Just Getting a glimpse? Getting a glimpse of, of what's going on, like the kid knows his name, and this is possibly giving him you know, like solidifying some of the answer, which is that this is not him. This is, it has to do with him or is connected to him in some way, but it is definitely something, some sort of entity outside of him 
that is following him around for some reason or another. And then the kid in the first uh, attack tries to suck something out of his mouth. They do like a... Oh, a little yeah. Something. Yep. Oh, yeah. that's, like, that's soul uh, juice, yeah. Like in Harry Potter when they suck right. the soul out of you. Yeah, it was like, the like dementors. A, yeah. Yeah, a dementor soul sucking. Yeah, took, mm-hmm. took a little sip of that soul juice, yeah. Yeah. So what is happening there? That's that's what's happening. We can all agree that uh something soul based is sucked he's out of him. Drawing out all the mitochlorians. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Oh, it's the, the best kind of orgasm you can have is when your soul gets sucked out through your mouth. Oh, it's got to be just unmatched. Mm-hmm. Just full it's, soul coming out of your mouth. We we have yet to see anyone. We we have yet to see the demonic possession do this action to anyone except him. Is that correct? Right. They, they yeah. This to Kyle. Yeah, they want some of his specific like anti-demon soul juice. That no one else seems to possess. Uh, well, that's where, lack of that, that's, where I'm, that's where I'm going. They want something from him. And is that what they're trying to get by performing this soul-sucking move? Uh, yeah, it could be. Which, you know, if you want to like, just settle into like, and, and try and hypothesize about where this show might be going, uh, much like the devil is an outcast from heaven, is whatever's inside of Kyle maybe like an outcast from hell? Like, like a Dexter demon? Ooh, I like that. I like that. And That's these other souls and these other demons are like, oh, fuck you, motherfucker. We're going to do the worst possible thing that demons can do to each other, which is suck on each other's souls. Or is he just... Um, or did he gain some like plate, like blade-like hybrid daywalker powers? And right, like de- a natural immunity to possession that the, they, they're, they're trying to take from him, whatever it is that's, that's um, protecting him. Right. Like they, he's unpossessable. Or he's fully possessible. Like the demons are clunking around in this like childlike understanding of possession where they can barely hold on to these bodies and they hurt the bodies as much as they host them. But Kyle has been perfectly possessed, fully integrated into a demon. <laughs> but that would be almost like another relation to Constantine where, you know, getting him is a big deal, you know? Right. Possessing him is a huge accomplishment that all demons want him bad, really bad. He's right. the top top of their list for people to possess. Yeah, he's like the Mount Everest of the demon world. Right, yeah. I kind of think, just based on the title, though, I'm leaning more towards your previous suggestion, which is that he is not just an outcast in the town, which serves as like a, a double meaning for it, that he's also, possibly his soul is, yes, like an outcast. He is his lineage like, you know, they say that people have old souls. Maybe maybe his was an outcast from hell, like Daniel's suggesting, or some has some sort of ancient relationship with the devil itself or with... Yeah, he's like a, the devil's rebellious son. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it's... Maybe family lineage is involved. Yeah, Peter. <laughs> okay. Maybe he's an abused altar boy that just has built up this rage and this rage has turned into this power and this power is solidified in his blood and his bodily fluids to attack demonic possession. Oh, he's like the so he's like the com- the combined amalgam of all the altar boy souls who've been molested to death in the past. Yeah, yeah this is spot this is put in the spotlight. Yeah, he's like an altar boy soul ultron. Yeah. Yeah, I think we figured it out. What do you think, altar boy? Uh sure. Do you say I'll, I'll do, wait, go wait. with you on that. Do you What's say that? sure? Or church? Sure. Huh? Do you say sure or church? Uh, church. 
When was the last time you were touched? Um, well, when I visited Don't you. Don't answer that. That's disgusting. It would have been a couple <laughs> weeks ago. That's how it is every time you stay over at Nathan's. Like, you, like, curl up in the fetal position on the couch and, like, try to tuck the blanket all around you. But at some point, like, two in the morning... I get molested in my safe. You just feel a hand on your shoulder and like hot breath against your neck as Nathan <laughs> as Nathan slides in behind you on the couch. Uh, Father Nathan, sorry. Yeah, Father you know, Nathan. Reverend Reverend Anderson was pretty shaken up actually by that first incident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm just watching it in the background and he's like offering a cigarette. His hands shaking. He's looking around, bewildered. He's throwing a cigarette down. All right. So where so where are we? Where are we? We're. Uh, well, I'm just watching the flashback here. The mother getting hit by the tear, which appears to be the catalyst for that. Um, he goes back and has dinner with the old man that uh, lives next to him that he borrowed the car from. That's oh, nice. yeah. And there was, yeah, there's an awkward conversation where the old man admits, like, my wife and I, we kind of knew you were being abused and tortured for a long time. And we said nothing. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, over some stew. Mm-hmm. Then the reverend picks him up the next day for the second visit to Mr. Austin. Mr. Austin does some pretty creepy bodily movement prior to their arrival in his room. Yeah, he turns around and stuff. Yeah, he's yeah, kind of is, laying all pretzeled up on his bed. Yeah, and this is also where Barnes gets down to business and beats the shit out of the kid. And yeah. The kid, kid bites into his hand while being levitated in the air. And uh, that resolves joshua's possession and the black goo gets puked onto the ceiling it pulls some terminator 2 uh uh growth morphing yeah morphing shit yeah morphing growth from liquid state and then vanishes goes into vapor it turns into like it like bursts into like devil butterflies and flutters off worst part of the episode it was a weird cg moment yeah yeah, I feel like the the rest of the episode was really strong, and the CG thing uh, didn't really fit for me. Yeah, for those of it you, it was a little disappointing. Everything can be great about uh, a movie or a show, and one thing can bother the altar boy slash intern so much yeah. that just he just shuts down. Like if that if that glob had turned into a bungee cord guitar player, it would have been over. Would have been completely over. So. Yeah, I wouldn't be watching any more episodes if that was the case. Um, but uh, no, it did did it not seem off to you also? Is no, that... it, it did seem a little off to me. It also reminded me of Green Mile that has like a very similar, I guess, oh, may, yeah. I, actually there's lots of movies that sort of do this. Oh, the black goo is inside of you. That's the p- physical manifestation of the demon soul possession, I guess, maybe? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of movies and shows do this, so it's sort of a trope. I'm not going to make it i'm not gonna have it ruin the show for me but yeah i'm not really a big fan either yeah no it's not like it's ruined the show also it's just you know i feel like it it was really strong until that point that's all but i think you guys have to accept the goo because i don't think the goo is going anywhere no it's going to be in every single episode i think i think we're going to have to become comfortable with the goo yeah uh the police are there again is that uh, where we're at yeah, the Mark, police. Mark the, Mark Holter's like, you're going away for good this time, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and then uh, our other buddy comes over and tells him that he's free to go. Yeah, which of course pisses off uh, the the sister husband cop a lot. Yeah, Mark is pissed. So Mark Holter, 
or Mark Holt. I'm not sure because Megan's character is named Megan Holt. So I don't know if IMDb no. got this wrong. It says Megan Holter. She's got a dash, though. I can't see what the other thing is. It's Holter. Holter Barnes. Okay, so Mark Holter is, um, just to clarify, is the husband of Megan. He is the Roy from The Office. And he is uh, upset that Kyle's not going to, to jail for attacking and also resolving the possession issue with the child. The only witness to the beating is Reverend Anderson. So why does he have handcuffs on? Yeah, yeah, I'm not really sure. I guess he just was, you know, he just got excited. Like he showed up and it was probably just to collect the boy and to take note of what had happened. And he probably just saw Kyle in there and just immediately cuffed him and brought him outside. And everyone else was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. So the, the presumption here is that Mark Holter is the one that put the handcuffs on him because he arrived on scene and saw the guy that he doesn't trust and hates uh, and a and a bruised child with bloody fists yeah bloody fists <laughs> yeah bloody <laughs> and a That's bloody child's face yeah it's because uh, the horrible unforgivable thing that they haven't truly defined we, is the we, beating of a child and he's <laughs> obviously has just beaten this child so he, right. gets, he gets to beat another child and we're letting him go they're oh, thankful man. for it he must be just like going in ape shit <laughs> this is gonna chief. be great if he beats up a child every episode <laughs> this is also the beginning of tension between chief giles and mark holter yes yeah Officer like holter and chief giles are now at odds because chief giles has just superseded his authority and let the child uh, abuser walk out of the car without any sort of punishment right and to be fair we could all you know we could be getting like a false uh, perspective on this show like we're seeing this whole movie through Kyle Barnes eyes and I bet if we get like a third person perspective of what's happening in that room it's like a delusional priest a delusional psychopath and just a small boy cowering getting the shit beat out of him it uh, could be could be but I doubt it I mean the reverend seems to be a fairly straight up guy I think we can trust Reverend Anderson oh yeah I like him and then at the end we uh, we do the flashback where we find out that it was, in fact, his wife that did the damage. And Kyle himself is an innocent soldier, a valiant fellow trying to resolve the matter and also has uh, purifying fluids uh, coursing throughout his, his body and his soul. Do you think you, you can, like, regrow that part of your soul that gets sucked out, or is that just gone forever? Uh, we might actually find out. I feel like that's going to happen to him at some point on this journey like low battery he's gonna get it sucked out by some some demon and then we're gonna have to figure out how he can handle it when he doesn't have that no, i think it's i think it's like a video game it's like uncharted multiplayer where you gotta like s sit next to the guy your your teammate and you have to heal him for like a certain amount of time and the bar has to fill up all the way before he's good to go yeah you just gotta like duck behind a wall for a little bit and let the red blurred edges of the screen go back to normal yeah 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 yeah, yeah you gotta like suck that yeah. out for a certain period of time the meter has to fill up fully then then ding and then you've succeeded in obtaining his soul and you get to move on and just every single demon that's tried has only got like half or three quarters of the bar filled and every time they're like oh fuck and then he throws their he throws some tears or some blood at them and then it's over right so i wonder if they'll set it up where there are like other martyrs that come to Kyle and feed them their soul juice like a baby bird to like rejuvenate him and they sacrifice themselves for him for the greater demon mission. 
Yeah, does he meet? And everyone's someone? like, oh, oh, hi, is your and, name Lindsay? Yeah, Lindsay, thank you very much for showing up. And then they both lean back and, and the souls transfer. And then her husk body falls to the ground. Uh, does he meet anyone like him? Does he run into Ooh. a group of people or one person that is has the same power as him? I feel like he needs this. This show is going to require some sort of mentor character. They're going to have to run into some sort of omniscient or all-knowing uh, person that's much further along in the journey and knows all of this stuff to give us some much-needed uh, gap-filling story-wise. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good. There's there's very high likeliness that that will happen. Maybe even someone that's just like him but opposite, like their fluids possess people. <laughs> Maybe just someone that no, even even like a a, a maester type character, just like a, a knowledgeable fellow that maybe just knows about the ancient prophecy. You know, he's like, oh, you're the outcast. X X Men Apocalypse style, where it's just you know, oh, there's this ancient person, and this is has four horsemen and blah blah blah, right? Like, yeah. Somebody to fill That's, in. Yeah. That could be Brent Spiner. Is he in the show? For eight episodes. Oh, wow. That would make sense, actually. The next episode is called I Remember, in brackets, When She Loved Me. Oh, so it's going to be a lot about his original life with his wife. This could be going. This could be a, a heavily uh, flashbacked episode to help fill in some of the exposition. And this episode tonight was called A Darkness Surrounds Him. A.K.A. beating the shit out of a small child. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what I remember. What is it? What is the last thing that he says before the episode cuts away? Does he, because he's like in his front yard and he like turns and looks at something. Does he like just dedicate himself to the mission? Like, come fucking get me. Yeah, come get me, I think is what he says or something. I'm kind of on to what uh, the intern or the altar boy is saying here because Brent Spiner doesn't have... He's in eight episodes, but he doesn't have a character name. They haven't given him one that I can see. Yeah. One of the other things that's kind of weird on here is that his wife, who I thought was Caitlin Shield. No idea. Is only in one episode. Then she's already been in that episode. Yeah. Maybe it goes back farther. Maybe it's about him as a kid with his mom. That could be. Hmm. All very interesting uh, questions. Yeah. And I would like, as a prediction, I, I, I bet you guys are right and that they're going to go on a little, like, you know, road trip, uh, exorcism-a-thon. But I kind of wish that they would just stay in this this town for the first season and, like, go go to each possessed person, take care of them, learn everyone's backstories, yada, yada, yada. And then do something, like, really big in the final episode that's climatic, that, like, cleanses the whole town in like one go to prevent it from being a festering possession spot in the future and then season two they go out to some other place and start training other towns how to do it or something like that all right everyone go out there sadsackstudios.com 100lunatics.com trailerparkpodcast.com just go there you'll find everything that you need there uh visit nathan at the aforementioned twitter handle you can visit the altar boy at the intern tpp and you can visit me at 100 lunatics and we will see you next time for Season 1, Episode 2 of Outcast here on the Exercast. Good night. Stop touching me. I missed that. I didn't get that on my recording. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh.